0: This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter Twelve Heartache of Good Wives by Louise May Alcott. Whatever his motive might have been, Laura studied to some purpose that year, for he graduated with honor and gave the Latin oration with the grace of a Phillips and the eloquence of a Demosthenes. So his friend said, they were all there his grandfather oh so proud mr and miss march john meg joe and beth and all exulted over him with the sincere admiration which boys make light of at the time but fail to win from the world by any after triumphs i've got to say for this confounded supper but i shall be home early tomorrow. you'll come and meet us as usual girls laurie said as he put the sisters into the carriage after the joys of the day were over He said girls, but meant Joe, for she was the only one who kept up the old custom. She had not had the heart to refuse her splendid, successful boy anything, and answered warmly, "'I'll come, Teddy, rain or shine, and march before you playing Hail the Conquering Hero Comes on a Jew's Harp.' Laurie thanked her with a look that made her think in a sudden panic, "'Oh, deary me, I know he'll say something, and then what shall I do?' Evening meditation and morning walk somewhat allayed her fears, and having decided that she wouldn't be vain enough to think people were going to propose when she had given them every reason to know what her answer would be, she set forth at the appointed time, hoping Teddy wouldn't do anything to make her hurt his poor little feelings. A call at Meg's and a refreshing sniff and sip at the daisy and demijohn still further fortified her for the tete-a-tete, but when she saw a... a stalwart figure looming in the distance she had a strong desire to turn about and run away where's the jews heart, joe cried laurie as soon as he was within speaking distance i forgot it and joe took heart again for the salutation could not be l- called lover-like she always used to take his arm on these occasions now she did not and he made no complaint which was a bad sign but talked on rapidly about all sorts of fairway subjects till they turned from the road into the little path that led homeward through the grove then he walked more slowly suddenly lost his fine flow of language and now and then a dreadful pause occurred to rescue the conversation from one of the wells of silence into which it kept falling joe said hastily now you must have a good long holiday i intend to." Something in his resolute tone made Joe look up quickly to find him looking down at her with an expression that assured her that the dreaded moment had come, and made her put out her hand with an imploring, "'No, Teddy, please don't. "'I will, and you must hear me. "'It's no use, Joe. We've got to have it out, and the sooner the better for both of us,' he answered, getting flushed and excited all at once. "'Say what you like, then I'll listen,' said Joe, with a desperate sort of patience." Laurie was a young lover, but he was in earnest and meant to have it out, if he died in the attempt, so he plunged into the subject with characteristic impetuosity, saying in a voice that would get choky now and then, in spite of manual efforts to keep it steady, "'I've loved you ever since I've known you, Joe. Couldn't help it. You've been so good to me. I've tried to show it, but you wouldn't let me. Now I'm going to make you hear, and give me an answer, for I can't go so any longer.' wanted to save you this i thought you'd understand began joe finding a great deal harder than she expected i know you did but girls are so queer and you never know what they mean they say no when they mean yes and drive a man out of his mind just for the fun of it returned Laurie, entrenching himself behind an undeniable fact i don't i never wanted to make you care for me so and i want always to keep you from it if i could i thought so it was like you but it was no use I only loved you all the more, and I worked hard to please you, and I gave up billiards of and everything you didn't like, and waited, and never complained, for I'd hoped you'd love me, though I'm not half good enough. Here there was a choke that couldn't be controlled, so he decapitated buttercups while he cleared this confounded throat. You, "'You are a great deal too good for me, and I'm so grateful to you, and so proud and fond of you. I don't see why I can't love you as you want me to.' I've tried, but I can't change the feeling, and it would be a lie to say I do when I don't. Really, truly, Joe. He stopped short and caught both her hands as he put his question with a look that she did not soon forget. Really, truly, dear. They were in the grove now, close by the stile, and when the last words fell reluctantly from Joe's lips, Laurie dropped her hands and turned, as if to go on. But for once in his life, that fence was too much for him. So he just laid his head down on the mossy post and stood so still that Joe was frightened. "'Oh, Teddy, I'm so sorry, so desperately sorry. I could kill myself if it would do any good. I wish you wouldn't take it so hard. I can't help it. You know it's impossible for people to make themselves love people they don't,' cried Joe, negligent but remorsefully. as she softly patted his shoulder, remembering the time when he had comforted her so long ago. "'They do sometimes,' said a muffled voice from the post. "'I don't believe it's the right sort of love, and I'd rather not try it,' was the decided answer. There was a long pause, while the blackbird sang blithely on the willow by the river, and the tall grass rustled in the wind. Presently, Joe said very soberly, as she sat down on the steps of the stile, "'Laurie, I want to tell you something.' He started as if he had been shot, threw his head, and cried out in a fierce horn, "'Don't tell me that, Joe. I can't bear it now.' "'Tell what?' she asked, wondering in his violence. "'That you love that old man.' "'What old man?' demanded Joe, thinking he must mean his grandfather. "'That devilish professor you were always writing about. "'If you say you love him, I know I shall do something desperate.' And he looked as if he would keep his word, as he clenched his hands with a wrathful spark in his eye. Joe wanted to laugh, but restrained herself and said warmly, for she too was getting excited with all this don't swear teddy he isn't old nor anything bad but good and kind and the best friend i've got next to you pray don't fly into a passion i want to be kind but i know i shall get angry if you bruise my professor i haven't the least idea of loving him or anybody else but you will after a while and then what will become of me he'll love somebody else too like a sensible boy and forget all this trouble i can't love anyone else and i'll never forget you joe never never with a stamp to emphasize his passionate words what shall i do with him sighed joe finding the emotions were more unmanageable than she expected you haven't heard what i wanted to tell you sit down and listen for indeed i want to do right and make you happy she said hoping to soothe him with a little reason which proved that she knew nothing about love seeing a ray of hope in that last speech lorry threw himself down on the grass at her feet leaned his arm on the lower step of the stile and looked at her with an expectant face now that arrangement was not conducive to calm speech or clear thought on joe's part for how could she say hard things to her boy why he watched her with eyes full of love and longing and lashes still wet with the bitter drop or two of her hardness of heart had wrung from him she gently turned his head away saying as she stroked the wavy hair which had been allowed to grow for her sake how touching that was to be sure i agree with mother that you and i are not suited to each other because our quick tempers and strong wills would probably make us very miserable if we were so foolish as to joe paused a little over the last word but laurie uttered it with a rapturous expression "'Mary! No, we shouldn't. "'If you loved me, Joe, I should be a perfect saint, "'for you could make me anything you like. "'No, I can't. I've tried it and failed, "'and I won't risk our happiness by such a serious experiment. "'We don't agree, and we never shall. "'So we'll be good friends all our life, "'but we won't go and do anything rash.' "'Yes, we will, if we get the chance,' muttered Laurie rebelliously. "'Now do be reasonable and take a sensible view of the case,' "'and poor Joel, almost at her wit's end.' I won't be reasonable. I don't want to take what you call a sensible view. It won't help me. And it only makes you harder. I don't believe you have any heart. I wish I hadn't. There was a little quiver in Joe's voice, and thinking it a good omen, Laurie turned around, bringing all his persuasive powers to bear, as he said in the weedsome tone that had never been so dangerously wieldsome before. Don't disappoint us, dear. Everyone expects it. "'Grandpa has set us hard upon it. Your people like it, and I can't get on without you. "'Say you will, and let us be happy. Do, do!' "'Not until months afterward did Jo understand how she had the strength of mind "'to hold fast to the resolution she had made "'when she decided that she did not love her boy and never could. "'It was very hard to do, but she did it, knowing that delay was both useless and cruel.' I can't say yes truly, so I won't say it at all. You'll see that I'm right by and by, and thank me for it, she began solemnly. I'll be hanged if I do, and Laurie bounced off the grouse, burning with indignation at the bare idea. Yes, you will, persisted Joe. You'll get over this after a while and find some lovely, accomplished girl who will adore you and make a fine mistress for your fine house. I shouldn't. I'm homely and awkward and awkward. Odd and old and you'd be ashamed of me and we should quarrel we can't help it even now you see and i shouldn't like elegance and sidey, and you would and um, you'd hate my scribbling and i couldn't get on without it and we should be unhappy and wish we hadn't done it and everything would be horrid anything more asked laurie finding it hard to listen patiently to this prophetic burst. nothing more except that i don't believe i shall ever marry i am happy as i am and love my liberty too well to be in any hurry to give it up for any mortal man i know better broke in laurie you think so now but there'll come a time when you will care for somebody and you'll love him tremendously and live and die for him i know you will it's your way and i shall have to stand by and see it and the despairing lovers cast his hat upon the ground with a gesture that have seemed comical his face had not been so tragic "'Yes, I will live and die for him. "'It becomes and makes me love him in spite of myself, "'and you must do the best you can,' "'cried Joe, losing patience with poor Teddy. "'I've done my best, but you won't be reasonable, "'and it's selfish of you to keep teasing for what I can't give. "'I shall always be fond of you, very fond indeed, as a friend, "'but I'll never marry you, "'and the sooner you believe it, the better for both of us. "'So now—' "'That speech was like fire to gunpowder. Laurie looked at her a minute, as if he did not know quite what to do with himself, then turned sharply away, saying in a desperate sort of tone, "'You'll be sorry some day, Joe!' "'Oh, where are you going?' she cried, for his face frightened her. "'To the devil!' was the consoling answer. For a minute Joe's heart stood still as he swung himself down the bank towards the river. But it takes much folly, sin, or misery to send a young man to a violent death, and Laura was not one of the weak sort who are conquered by a single failure." He had no thought of a melodramatic plunge, but some blind instinct led him to fling his hat and coat into his boat and row away with all his might, making better time up the river than he had done in many a race. Jo drew a long breath and unclasped her hands as she watched the poor fellow, trying to outstrip the trouble which he carried in his heart. That will do him some good, and he'll come home in such a tender, penitent state of mind that I shan't dare to see him, she said, adding as she went slowly home feeling as if she had murdered some innocent thing and buried it under the leaves now i must go and prepare mr lawrence to be very kind to my poor boy i wish he'd love beth perhaps he may in time but i began to think i was mistaken about her oh dear how can girls like to have lovers and refuse them i think it's dreadful being sure that no one could do it so well as herself she went straight to mr lawrence "'told the hard story bravely through, "'and then broke down crying so dismally "'over her own insensibility "'that the kind old gentleman, "'though sorely disappointed, "'did not utter a reproach. "'He found it difficult to understand "'how any girl could help loving Laurie "'and hope she would change her mind, "'but he knew even better than Joe "'that love cannot be forced. "'So he shook his head sadly "'and resolved to carry his boy out of harm's way. "'For young impetuosity's parting words "'to Joe disturbed him more than he would confess.' When Laurie came home dead tired, but quite composed, his grandfather met him as if he knew nothing, and kept up the delusion very successfully for an hour or two. But when they sat together in the twilight, the time they used to enjoy so much, it was hard work for the old man to ramble on as usual, and harder still for the young one to listen to the praises of last year's success, which to him now seemed love's labor lost. He bore it as long as he could, then went to his piano and began to play. Windows were open, and Joe, walking in the garden with Beth, for once understood music better than her sister. For he played the sonata pathetique and played it as he never did before. That's very fine, I dare say, but it's sad enough to make one cry. Give him something gayer, lad," said Mr. Lawrence, whose kind old heart was full of sympathy, which he longed to show, but knew not how. Laurie dashed into a livelier strain, played stormily for several minutes. "'and would have gotten through bravely if a momentary lull missus Marchvoice had not been here calling. "'Joe, dear, come in, I want you!' "'Just what Lloyd longed to say, with a different meaning. "'As he listened, he lost his place. "'The music ended with a broken chord, "'and the musician sat silently in the dark. "'I can't stand this,' muttered the old gentleman. "'Up he got, groped his way to the piano, "'laid a kind hand on either of the broad shoulders, "'and said as gentle as a woman, "'I know, my boy, I know.' "'No answer for an instant, then Laurie asked sharply, "'Who told you?' Joe herself.' "'Then there's an end of it,' and he shook off his grandfather's hands "'with an impatient motion, for though grateful for the sympathy, "'his man's pride could not bear a man's pity. "'Not quite. I want to say one thing, and then there shall be an end of it,' "'returned Mr. Lawrence, with unusual mildness. "'You won't care to stay at home now, perhaps? "'I don't intend to run away from a girl.' Joe can't prevent my seeing her, and I shall stay and do so as long as I like, interrupted Laurie in a defiant tone. Not if you are the gentleman, I think. I'm disappointed, but the girl can't help it, and the only thing left for you to do is to go away for a time. Where will you go? Anywhere. I don't care what becomes of me. And Laurie got up with a reckless laugh that grated on his grandfather's ear. Take it like a man and don't do anything rash. For goodness sake, why not go abroad as you planned and forget it? i can't but you've been wild to go and promised you should when you go through college ah uh, but i didn't mean to go alone and laurie walked fast through the room with an expression which it was well his grandfather did not see i don't ask you to go alone there's some one ready and glad to go with you who sir stopping to listen myself laurie came back as quickly as he went and put out his hand saying huskily i'm a selfish brute you know grandfather Oh, help me, yes, I do know, for I've been through it all before, once in my own young days, and then with your father. Now, my dear boy, just sit quietly down and hear my plan. It's all settled and can be carried out at once, said Mr. Lawrence, keeping hold of the young man, as if fearful that he would break away as his father had done before him. Well, sir, what is it? And Laurie sat down, without a sign of interest in his face or voice. There's business in London that needs looking after. I meant you should tend to it, but— "'I can do it better myself, and things here will get along very well with Brooke to manage them. "'My partners do almost everything. "'I'm merely holding on till you take my place, and can be off at any time. "'But you hate travelling, sir. "'I can't ask it of it you at your age,' began Laurie, "'who was grateful for the sacrifice, but much preferred to go alone if he went at all. "'The old gentleman knew that perfectly well, and particularly desired to prevent it, "'for the mood in which he found his grandson assured him "'that it would be not wise to leave him to his own devices.' so stifling a natural regret at the thought of the home comforts he would leave behind him he said stoutly bless your soul i'm not superannuated yet i quite enjoy the idea it will do me good and my old bones won't suffer for travelling nowadays is almost as easy as sitting in a chair a restless movement from laurie suggested that his chair was not easy or that he did not like the plan and made the old gentleman add hastily i don't mean to be a mare-pilot or a burden i go because i think you'd feel happier than if i was left behind i don't intend to gad about with you but leave you free to go where you like while i amuse myself in my own way i have friends in london and paris and should like to visit them meantime you can go to italy germany and switzerland where you will enjoy pictures music scenery and adventures to your heart's content now laurie felt just then that his heart was entirely broken and the world a howling wilderness but at the sound of certain words, which the old gentleman artfully introduced into the closing sentence, the broken heart gave an unexpected leap, and a green oasis or two suddenly appeared in the howling wilderness. He sighed, and then said in a spiritless tone, "'Just as you like it, sir. It doesn't matter where I go or what I do.' It does to me. Remember that, my lad. I give you entire liberty, but I trust you'd make honest use of it. Promise me that, Laurie.' "'Anything you like, sir.' good thought the old gentleman you don't care now but there will come a time when that promise will keep you out of mischief or i am much mistaken being an energetic individual mr lawrence struck while the iron was hot and before the blighted being recovered spirit enough to rebel they were off during the time necessary for preparation, Lloyd bore himself as a young gentleman usually do in such cases. He was moody, irritable, and pensive by turns, lost his appetite, neglected his dress, and devoted much time to playing tempestuously on his piano, avoided Joe, but consoled himself by staring at her from his window with a tragic face that haunted her dreams by night and oppressed her with a heavy sense of guilt by day unlike some sufferers he never spoke of his unrequited passion and would allow no one not even miss march to attempt consolation or offer sympathy on some accounts this was a relief to his friends but the weeks before his departure were very uncomfortable and everyone rejoiced that the poor dear fellow was going away to forget his trouble and come home happy of course he smiled darkly at their delusion but passed it by with sad superiority of one who knew that his fidelity like his love was unaltered when the parting came he affected high spirits to conceal certain inconvenient emotions which seemed inclined to assert themselves this gaiety did not impose upon anybody but they tried to look as if it did for his sake and he got on very well to so miss march kissed him with a whisper full of motherly solicitude then feeling that he was going very fast he hastily embraced them all around not forgetting the afflicted hannah and ran downstairs as if for his life Joe followed a minute after to wave her hand to him, if he looked round. He did not look round, came back, put his arm about her as she stood on the step above him, and looked up at her with a face that made his short appeal both eloquent and pathetic. "'Oh, Joe, can't you, Teddy, dear, I wish I could.' That was all, except a little pause. Then Lori straightened himself up and said, "'It's all right, never mind,' and went away without another word." Ah, but it wasn't all right, and Joe did mind, for while the curly head lay on her arm a minute after her hard answer, she felt as if she had stabbed her dearest friend, and when he left her without a look behind him, she knew that the boy Lori never would come again. End of chapter 12